Proverbs chapter 22, beginning at verse 17. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your mind to my knowledge, for it will be pleasant if you keep them within you, that they may be ready on your lips so that your trust may be in the Lord. I have taught you today, even you have I not written to you excellent things of counsels and knowledge to make you know the certainty of the words of truth that you may correctly answer him who sent you. Well, tonight we want to talk again about the theme of wisdom, and I want to give us three uh, parts tonight as we consider this section. This section uh, is um, the final kind of section of, of Proverbs. The writer of Proverbs would use uh, this idea of listening, inclining your ear to hear the words of a wise uh, as an introduction. And the commentators uh, tell us that this is representing a new section in the book of Proverbs. You say, why is it here? Well, the versification of your Bible came much later and they didn't always quite get it right. Remember, the verses are not inspired. OK, the text is inerrant and infallible, but the versification uh, came later. And so you, you might expect a new chapter heading here, but we don't get one. But I do want to point out that this is kind of a new section here. Now, the three points are the following. If we're going to be wise, we need to listen. Number one, number two, we need to think. And number three, we need to trust. Listen, think and trust. Those are three simple points. Even for you young boys and girls, I think you can remember that tonight. Listen, think and trust. Well, look at verse 17 in our text. Incline your ear. And hear the words of the wise and apply your mind to my knowledge. Now, what is the instructor telling us here? He's telling his pupils, young men, to listen to the words of the wise and that they are to apply their minds to the knowledge that he is conveying to them. Notice here that, first of all, they are to listen carefully to the instruction. Now, the first problem with people often in making poor choices, is that they do not listen, especially to people who have wisdom in particular fields and discipline. The Bible, which speaks of the fool in the book of Proverbs frequently, the fool, we are told, is wise in his own eyes. He thinks he's an expert in fields in which he has actually no experience or training, and he does not need the counsel of others who actually are seasoned by wisdom and by experience. The fool does not need to listen because he does not think he has anything to learn. And of course, we don't want to be like that, boys and girls. We don't want to be like the proverbial fool who doesn't listen to others. Um, he does not think, the fool that is, does not think that the instructor is wiser or more knowledgeable than, he, than himself. And so he closes his ears to all sound counsel. Even when the advice is given, uh, the wisdom is ignored as if it was never heard. Fools do not have ears to hear the truth. The fool is, if we can use it, the phrase hellbent 
on his course of action. Of course, that's where the hell eventually will go. He will follow the broad path that leads to destruction. A fool is somebody who will not rely on God or on the word of God as a lamp unto his feet and a light unto his path. And he will not listen to instructors of the word. He will not listen to reason. An instructor comes, advice is given, and advice is rejected. God may mercifully send another counselor with a similar opinion or viewpoint as the first. And the advice is rejected again by the fool. And God may even in his mercy and grace send another with the same conclusion. And the fool is unmoved in his opinion. The fool is, will not incline his ear to the words of the wise. And that's why we find in Proverbs several times that the teacher is saying, incline your ear is the first thing. Listen to the words of instruction. One of the ways God judges a fool is by hardening his heart so that he will not listen to wise counsel of others. Some who have understanding. The fool thinks he is an expert in things which he has comparatively little understanding. And he despises the training, actually, of others and will not listen. The fool will not listen also because the fool is proud. Here again, it's a spiritual problem. The fool will not listen because he is unteachable and he's arrogant. For the fool, his mouth is more important to him than his ears. His hearing is selective. He listens to what he's already concluded. And even when tragic consequences arise from the fool not listening, the fool still does not listen. Jesus tells us that wisdom is known by her fruits, meaning that we can see the evidence of wisdom in that it bears good things in a person's life. But even when the fool, because of a failure to listen, has predictably rotten fruit in his life and the rotten fruit of the fool's folly becomes manifest, the fool still does not listen because he has to make excuses. He, he excuses his poor choices. There has to be some excuse for the predictably poor results. Otherwise, he would have to be convicted that he was unwise. He would have to humble himself. He would have to repent. He would have to start listening. And we've probably all seen many examples of this. A man is told to quit abstaining from church, but he does not listen and he ends up falling away from Jesus Christ, maybe even tragically dying in his sins because of it. A man is warned by his doctors to stop smoking, to lose weight, but ignores the advice and has the predictable outcome of a heart attack. A teenager doesn't listen to his parents about the dangers of drugs or drinking and, and driving and winds up in jail. We've seen even in our own church courts where presbyters warn a minister and that minister ignores the advice to the loss of his own family and ministry. We've seen where parents don't listen because they supposedly know everything about parenting already and the kids turn out terribly in Christian circles. We tragically see professing Christians not listening to sound advice, really because of a, 
of, of false doctrine and, and of common grace. They reject the advisor, sometimes just outright because he's not a Christian. And they reject the doctrine of common grace insights. Jesus has acknowledged that unbelievers many times are wiser in regard to their own than believers. They're shrewder in their own than the children of light, Jesus said. And, and yet, uh, in areas of common grace, the advice is rejected. Uh, Christians and churches can end up making foolish mistakes that even unbelievers themselves would never make. All because the above people would not listen. The people of God tragically fell into this time and time again. The people of God, boys and girls, were given prophets in the Old Testament. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. You know, you just go through the minor prophets and Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, and many others that are not even recorded for us in the scriptures. You know, there were other prophets besides those that wrote the books we have. And God would raise them up and give them the spirit and send them to the people to teach them the law of God, to warn them of their transgressions. And they rejected him. Jesus even tells us the parable of the vineyard, uh, where a vineyard owner goes off to a, a far country and in the meantime uh, sends people to check on the stewards of the vineyard and they don't listen and end up beating one and uh, persecuting another and killing another. Finally, the vineyard owner sends his own son, who, of course, is Jesus Christ, and they kill the Lord Jesus Christ. Outside the walls of Jerusalem, just as they did the prophets, instead of listening and repenting. We are told repeatedly in the Bible uh, to to listen. Uh, James chapter one, verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak, slow to wrath. Proverbs uh, Chapter 19, and hear counsel and receive instruction. In Proverbs 18, verse 13, he that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame to him. Proverbs 2, 2, incline your ear unto wisdom, apply your heart to understanding. Matthew chapter 11, verse 15, Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Listen to the word Jesus is saying. Uh, Proverbs 19, a little bit further in the chapter than our text tonight, says, Cease, my son, to hear instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 33. Uh, Whosoever hearkens unto me shall dwell safely. This is wisdom speaking here. And shall be quiet from fear. Even in the uh, last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 2, verse 7 he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of garden. So you have to listen to the Spirit. Well, how do you listen to the Spirit? Well, we listen to the Spirit by listening to the Bible. The Spirit speaks through the Bible. Um, John chapter 8, verse 47. He that is of God hears God's words. If you truly are one of Christ. You will recognize the voice of the shepherd in the word of God, not an audible voice, not some kind of miraculous voice, not just some kind of inward impression. But hearing the Bible, we are told in John eight, ye therefore hear 
them not because you are not of God, Jesus said. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse 13. For this cause also thank we without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of from us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth. Now, do you hear what Paul's saying here? We give thanks to God because why? We came to your community and we preached and you heard with ears that could hear. The spirit gave you the ability to listen and to receive the scriptures and that God, by his blessing of his word, it works effectually in you that believe you didn't receive it just simply as the words of men, but what it is, the very word of God. And that's why we emphasize preaching here is because preaching is the Westminster view is that preaching in the midst of preaching, it is the word of God. And so far as the preaching is accurate, according to the word, it becomes the word of God uh, when it is preached. Mark chapter nine, verse seven, there was a cloud that overshadowed them and a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son. Hear him. Listen to Jesus. The father says Luke chapter eight, verse twenty one. And he answered and said unto them, my mother and my brothers are these which hear the word of God and do it. Jesus was saying of his own family. So Isaiah 95, we use this as a call to worship this morning. Today, if you would hear his voice, the voice of God, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah. Psalm 81, verse 8 says, Hear, O my people, and I will admonish you, O Israel, if you would listen to me. But then here, tragically, later in that same psalm, the Lord says, But my people did not listen to my voice. Oh, that my people would listen to me. Verses 11 and 13. So, again, and and there's so much more we could even add in addition to that. We are told to listen. Jesus even says that we are to be careful how we listen. Those who listen well will be given more. Those who listen poorly, even that which they have may be taken away from them. If they listen not to the word of God, but they continue to sit under the word of God, then it may be a judgment upon them. You know, preaching can ruin you, too. It's a blessing When it's received by faith, but when it's rejected, you can become, as Jonathan Edwards says, gospel proof, meaning you you actually are now hardened under the very word which uh, softens others. Um, Spurgeon, I think it was, gave the example, the same sun which melts ice hardens a brick. Um, The same preaching of the word of God melts a heart. That receives it and listens to it, but a, a, but it will harden the heart of anybody who will not listen and hear the word of God. So it's a very important, boys and girls, that we not just be hearers of the word, but doers of it, that we might continue to profit under the word. Now, secondly, in addition to listening here, if we are to be wise, we need to think. Secondly. In verse 17, incline your ear and hear the words of the wise That's point number one. And then line B of verse 17 and apply your mind to my knowledge. Apply your mind. Now, those of you who have been in my study, whether my former study or my current one, you know that I have this little sign that I like. 
uh, sits on the desk. Uh, right now, I think it's actually on a shelf on the on the bookshelves. It used to be uh, on my desk where I write my sermons. And the sign just simply says, think. Um, and it's an exhortation uh, to me as uh, I write sermons and articles. Think. Um, it came actually from my dad and his company. My father was a lifelong IBMer. And uh, for many years, that was the corporate motto within the company was to think. In fact, I can remember as a boy going to my dad's office and they had this analogical clock where all the numbers are reversed and the hands of the clock go backwards. And so uh, you had to think in order to uh, discern what time it really was, because it looked like, you know, you see where the hands are normally positioned. You think, okay, it's eight o'clock, but it can't be eight in the morning. It was four in the afternoon. Everything's reversed. And uh, and the clock ran backwards. <clears throat> so uh, but on that clock, it said, think. Um, and I use it as an exhortation uh, in my own life. Uh, but I also want to use it as an exhortation for uh, uh, all of us here that the Bible tells us we are to think. We are made in the image of God and we are called upon, therefore, to think God's thoughts after the Lord. So that as the Lord gives us his word and we are to listen to the word, we are also to, supposed to think uh, about the word and upon the word. J.I. Packer, many of you uh, have read his book, Knowing God, um, this little booklet it's just one of those chapters. Uh, Finding God's will uh, is the chapter. And I want to read to you what Packer says about thinking and the need to think. Um, he says the spirit can be quenched and we can all too easily behave in a way that prevents this guidance from getting through. That is, how do we know what God's will for our lives is? That's what he's dealing with in this chapter. How do we know what the will of God is? And he says, here's some pitfalls. And the first pitfall that uh, J.I. Packer mentions is, he says, first, an unwillingness to think. An unwillingness to think. Now, listen to what Packer says. He says, this is tough. It is false piety. It is false piety, comma, super supernaturalism of an unhealthy and pernicious sort. That demands inward impressions that have no rational base and declines to heed the constant biblical summons to think or consider. God made us thinking beings, says Packer, and he guides our minds so that in his presence we think things out. No guidance otherwise, says Packer. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 29 says, Oh, that they were wise, that they would consider. Oh, that they were wise, or you could say that they would think. Now, in addition to an unwillingness to think, Packer says there's another problem. And he said, second, an unwillingness to think ahead and weigh the long-term consequences of alternative courses of action. Think ahead is part of the divine rule of life, no less than the of the human rule of the road. 
Often, he says, we can only see what is wise and right and what is foolish and wrong as we dwell on the long term consequences. So he's saying not only do we need to think, but we need to think long term. Uh, Those of you in the financial industry, I know this is your bread and butter, right? Think long term. Okay, you're not always going to be in your 30s and 40s. One day, God willing, you're going to be in your 70s, 80s and 90s. And you need to think financially long term. That's true in other areas of our lives as well. Here again, oh, that they were wise, that they would consider their latter end, says the Bible, that they would think ahead. They would think long term is what God is saying here. Now, here, the third is something that we touched on in our first point, an unwillingness to take advice. That is not to listen. Scripture is emphatic on the need for this. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 12, 15. He says it is a sign of conceit and immaturity to ignore advice in major decisions. There are always people who know the Bible human nature, and our own gifts and limitations better than we do. Even if we cannot finally accept their advice, only good will come to us from carefully weighing what they say. So we need to think. We need to think long term. And we also need to listen. Here's one more. He has others, but I'll just give you, I think, one more here. He says another problem is an unwillingness to wait. To wait on the Lord, says Packer, is a constant refrain in the Psalms. It is a necessary word. For God often keeps us waiting. He is not in such a hurry as we are. And it is not his way to give more light on the future than we need for action in the present or to guide us more than one step at a time. When in doubt, do nothing, says Packer. But continue to wait on God. When action is needed, light will come. And there's more from that wonderful book, but we don't have time. Let me bring it, uh, some applications from this second point. First of all, are you thinking? Are you thinking? You've heard me say this many times. We live in a culture that uh, is distracting us from thinking. In some ways, an agricultural age was maybe a little bit easier time to think. There was fewer distractions, no multimedia. Uh, We need to cultivate meditation, devoting time to thinking. You know, um, Bill Gates, I was listening to something Bill Gates said, and uh, Bill Gates uh, said that he devotes two weeks a year to get by himself for the purpose of nothing other than to read and think. He devotes two weeks out of every year to try and think about the the big things. Um, I would suggest that there are benefits in manual labor. I, I went to a school that I think was too influenced in its later years by Platonism rather than Christianity, even though it's a, it's a church-affiliated school that I came from. It's a church of Presbyterian-affiliated mainline school that I went to. Um, and I say that because there was, a, I think, a tendency 
at this liberal arts school that I went to to diminish manual labor. In the, you know, Plato viewed the uh, intellectual labor as a higher calling than manual labor. And I think th- this is unbiblical. And, and I want to suggest um, there are many benefits. I won't get into all the benefits of manual labor, but one of them is the opportunity to think um, that when you're mowing the grass, it gives you time to think. When you are washing dishes, it gives you time to think. When you're vacuuming, when you're dusting, when you're doing those things. And, and I, think, um, I think too often we, we think that, the, that that is not really important. And I think it is more important that we give credence to. It gives us opportunities while we work in a different way to think. And, and this is important for us. Thinking exercises our mind. And this is the way God has designed us. Um, we are supposed to imitate the triune God in this. Um, God is a God we know who makes plans and executes those plans. That's what eternal decrees are. We are to do likewise. Uh, the Bible tells us God is not a God of chaos. We are expected to plan. Now, of course, providence is going to direct our steps. Man makes his plans, but God will direct our ways. And we acknowledge that. But we're still supposed to be planning. As my dad used to say, life is what happens while you're planning. <laughs> or while you're making your plans. Um, but nevertheless, we, we are to think ahead. And, and we are to consider. I'm going to challenge you young people to think ahead about your future, maybe. Um, you know, the Bible is not going to specifically say, you know, you need to marry person A or you need to take a job B or you need to go to this school. But the scriptures do give guidance and, and light and, and, and principles that we should employ to help us think what we need to do before the Lord. And there's, there's a sense, as I said last week, each man has to find his own way or her own way before the Lord in these matters. And it is going to require you to think. The final thing we see here is, and I'm going to be very brief here, is trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. Number one, listen. Number two, apply your mind to my knowledge. Think. And then verse 18, and really to the rest of our text. For it will be pleasant if you keep them within you, that they may be ready on your lips. So that your trust may be in the Lord. There is the good fruit of listening and thinking that your trust by God's blessing and by his grace, it will lead you to trust in him. Even he says, have I not written to you excellent things of counsel and knowledge to make you know the certainty of the words of truth that you may correctly answer him who Sent you. Uh, the Bible says here even that it'll go well with you. It will be pleasant if you keep them within you. This is not to say you will never have distress. The Christian life is filled with uh, various providential stresses. Uh, it, it does not mean a stress free Christian life. 
Jesus said there are many afflictions for the righteous. Sorry, the psalmist says, Psalm 34, verse 19, there are many afflictions for the righteous. Uh, The Apostle Paul in Acts 14, verse 22, when he's preaching the circuit of Lystra and Iconium and Derbe in the middle of Asia Minor, you remember that Paul told those congregations that um, there were we all must go through many afflictions, many tribulations before we enter into the kingdom. This is a man who just got stoned in those communities and was dragged away thinking he was dead. Uh, So Paul knew of what he spoke. Um, But nevertheless, the Bible says that our life will really be blessed, both in this life, but certainly in the life to come. When we listen to God's word, when we think about God's word and when we trust in the Lord. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the word. He ultimately is the one to whom all scripture points. And we are to trust in Jesus Christ specifically. Jesus is the word come in the flesh. He is the word incarnate and he offers himself to us all. He we are told by the father in the Shekinah glory cloud on the Mount of Transfiguration to listen to him. Listen to Jesus. Think upon him. Meditate on his person and on his works and trust Jesus With all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, as Proverbs three says, but acknowledge Jesus Christ in all your ways and it will go well with you. Yes, there will be problems, there will be afflictions, there will be trials, there will be temptations, but it will be a blessed life, a life of wisdom and wisdom will be known by her blessed fruits. Amen. Let's pray together.